The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. not going back. I'm holding on to that nail-scarred hand. What does that mean? What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about leaving the light and going back into the darkness. There are only two places. A place of darkness where you are in the presence of the devil, to violence, to wickedness, to hopelessness, to discouragement, to depression. Or you're in the presence of Jesus. He is the light. It's a whole issue of light versus darkness. The battle is on. I've cast my die. I'm going 
totally in the light of Jesus Christ, and I will no longer walk in any way in the darkness. I am committed to the light. I have burned my ships. I'm on death ground. I will not allow the darkness of the serpent, the dragon, to pull me back into his clutches. Jesus released me. He broke the bondages of sin, and he set my feet on that narrow path. That's why we call this Pilgrim's Progress. We talk on this broadcast about the journey. It's active. It's every day. It is a process we go through until finally we enter into the celestial city, heaven, paradise. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Thank you for joining me today for this broadcast. We're going to go into some very deep issues that you need to be aware of if you are on the journey toward the light, if you are traveling in the light. And those of you who are traveling yet in darkness, continuing to walk in sin, continuing to believe the lies of the modern church that death is your Savior and not Jesus, that somehow when you die you'll be made righteous, you're walking in the darkness. Or you may be very religious. Many churches are filled utterly with darkness, no presence of God, no Holy Spirit presence, no awe, no fear of God, just chit-chat with everybody, get socially hooked up, find out where you're going to go to lunch, make your business contacts, talk about the football game. That's the modern church. Empty ritual, devoid of the Spirit of God, cute little pretty sermons that don't address sin and don't address repentance and don't address the darkness. Nobody wants to upset anyone. After all, it's about about the tithe and the monies and the offerings and the business. I'm terrified because I see many young entrepreneurial pastors taking up the business of church. Church is not a business. The church is a place where men and women die. It's a place of crucifixion. It's a place of restoration. It's a doorway into the light. And it is utterly a place where the darkness is driven out. Yesterday, we began speaking about Genesis, the first chapter. And I began speaking very forthrightly to some of you who've been pretty well beat up by the darkness. And you need the touch of the Master's hand to bring you out of that darkness into the light of Jesus Christ. doesn't happen by listening to people who walk in the dark. It happens as you Honestly, look at the Word of God and begin to understand what the journey is. Some of you went forward at an altar and said, I'll accept Jesus as my Savior, not knowing the question was not, would you accept Jesus? It doesn't matter if you accept Jesus, nearly as much as it matters whether Jesus will accept you. And so we began looking at this issue in Genesis, the first chapter. Let's review quickly. It says, in the beginning, God. does not say in the beginning, Pastor Ray. doesn't say in the beginning and then your name. The presence of God began to come upon an earth that was formless, and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God began to hover over that darkness. This is a perfect explanation 
of salvation. The Spirit of God must come and bring the presence of God and begin to hover over your life, a life of formlessness, emptiness, darkness. Now please understand that the Scriptures consider everything created by the flesh. The Scriptures begin to understand that everything that is created by the flesh by your own skill, by your own ability, is darkness. And only that which is brought to pass by the hovering presence of the Spirit of God is in the light. Now, just very quickly, in my own personal experience, as I began to walk into the depths of Jesus Christ, he began to strip out of my life everything that I had created and brought to myself by my own power. Now, I'm speaking very practically. He stripped out my house. He stripped out my cars. He stripped out friendships. He stripped out a church. He stripped out of my life everything that I had created in my flesh. I was pastoring a very successful and large church, and he came to me and he said, this church is not mine. It belongs to you. You created it. You brought it forth. If you want to follow me, terminate that church. And in obedience to the Holy Spirit, I went to the elders and we disbanded and closed the church in Bethesda, Maryland. Now, for the next seven years, I had no public ministry, had no job. I simply spent my time reading the scriptures, praying, and being taught by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, how to walk with him. In the process, my wife and I lost everything we possessed. We lost our retirement. We lost our savings. We lost two houses. We lost two cars. We lost everything until we were utterly, totally stripped out. Now, God does this in different ways with different people. But I only wanted in my life that which had come forth from the hand of God. I didn't want anything that had come from me. I wanted only what he wanted for me. And so he stripped out everything of my life. Only that which comes out of the light by the hovering of the Holy Spirit over your life will have value. Marriages can be redeemed. Children and family can be redeemed. Friendships can be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. But they must come under the power and the presence of that hovering Holy Spirit, that no darkness should remain in our lives. And then God said, verse 3, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. This issue of light and darkness is seen in the book of John, the Gospel of John. Let me read it for you. 
John, the 8th chapter, verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is in the context of a story that is a stunning story. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts. And the people gathered around him, a large crowd, and he sat down and began to teach them. Now in that culture, when a man sat down to teach, it was because he had something important to say. In our culture, a man usually stands up when he's going to speak of something of import. Well, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they had been scheming on how they could how they could deal with Jesus, how they could trap him. And so they had gone out early in the morning, and they knew about a woman who was committing adultery, and they rousted her out of bed. And they brought her fresh from that bed before Jesus. They caught her in the actual act of of adultery, sleeping with another man who was not her husband. Well, they forced her, terrified, probably trembling, not dressed appropriately for the early morning. She'd not had a chance to freshen up. She was brought before Jesus, and they said, these teachers of the law and these Pharisees, the super-religious, they said, in the law of Moses, we're commanded to stone such a woman. We're commanded to execute this woman. She is a wicked woman. Now, what do you say, Jesus? And obviously, they set the trap. If Jesus said, no, let her go, then then he did not uphold the law. If he said, stone her, The Jews did not have the legal right under Rome to pass a death sentence. And so either the Romans would be on him, or the Pharisees would be on him for breaking the law, not respecting it. They said this to trap him. They wanted a basis for accusation against Jesus. Jesus didn't say a word. He just bent down, and he started to write, probably in the dust on the ground. Began to write. Now, I don't know what he wrote. They kept shouting the questions at him. Are you going to declare that this woman should be stoned to death? And she trembled, because he could say that, and they would stone her, and then blame Jesus. Jesus was bent down, he was writing in the dust. And he said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him throw the first stone at her. And then he bent over and he began to write again. Well, they were curious. I'm sure they began to look at what he was writing. I don't know what he was writing, but I suspect he may have been writing down people's names who were in that crowd. And then next to that name, I suspect he was writing down their hidden sin. But we don't know. But the older ones, the ones with the most authority and power, they began to look at what Jesus was writing. And then they slowly began to walk away. And finally everyone was gone. And Jesus was left with the woman. She was still standing there in front of him. And Jesus straightened up from his writing, and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? In other words, where are the witnesses to condemn you? Are they all gone? 
And she says, No one, sir. No one's here to condemn me. Jesus speaks to her very kindly. He says, Then neither do I condemn you. Now go now and leave your life of sin. So Jesus is saying, Look, walk away from your sin. Walk away from the darkness of your life. Walk into the light. And then this passage, Jesus spoke again to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. They will have the light of life. Sin is darkness. Then when you go to the Gospel of John, the third chapter, this is after he has spoken about you must be born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Speaking, of course, with Nicodemus. And then in chapter 3, verse 18, whoever believes in him that is in the Son is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. In other words, the person who is walking in the darkness is condemned. Now notice, this is the verdict. This is verse 19 of John, the third chapter. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Remember, he just said he was the light. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Anything that is not done through God, anything that is not done by the hovering power of the Holy Spirit over the darkness of your life, is of sin. Now this brings to us a major theme that we will find running all the way through the scriptures. And that theme is the presence of God, the hovering presence of the Holy Spirit over the darkness to bring God's people out of the darkness, to save them from the darkness, to establish them in the light, where everything that comes to us comes to us out of the light, out of the power of the Holy Spirit hovering over our lives. If you need today to have the Holy Spirit and the presence of God in your life, you must leave the darkness, the hiddenness, and come out into the light where everything can be seen for what it is. God is calling us out of the darkness. Now, his presence was very much in the Garden of Eden. The two, Adam and Eve, dwelt in the light. Light was the garment they wore. I often wondered how that could be until modern science has come up with ref refracted light with different wavelengths, things that could cover nakedness. God knows about light. He is the author of light. He is light. Adam and Eve were not walking around naked in the garden, as some people want to pose it. They were fully clothed. They were, they were robed in glorious light. They walked in the presence of God. 
and they were told, do not touch this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Leave it alone, for in the day you eat, you will surely die. But the snake, the dragon, the serpent, this filthy thing came into the garden, filled with wickedness, and he began to seduce this couple. And he told them that that if they would eat of this fruit, their eyes would be opened and they would be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, they would be able to judge for themselves what was right and wrong. In other words, if they would come into the darkness, they would be free. I had a young man say to me last night, Pastor, what happens if I go back to the strip clubs? What if I go back to the erotic massages? I'm kind of tired of following God. This is a hard walk. This righteousness business is difficult, and I'm not seeing anything come that I need to have in my life. Well, I said to him, look, you're still following Jesus for what you can get from him. Follow Jesus because he is the light, and these things you're talking about are the darkness. This is why I played this song at the beginning. I'm not going back into the darkness. I am going to hold on to that nail-scarred hand, and he is going to lead me in the light into the promised land, into heaven. So we find they take the bite, they, they go the way of darkness, And suddenly the eyes of both of them are opened, and they realize that they're naked. In other words, suddenly, when they join the darkness, the light of God fades away from their their physical bodies. They're no longer dressed. They're no longer in the presence of God. They have left the presence of God. They have left the light, and they now dwell in the darkness. Now they hear God. I don't know what God sounds like, but I would like to know. They hear him walking in the garden in the cool of the day, as he always did. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. They hid in the bushes. But the Lord called out to them, Where are you? God came looking for them because they were hidden in the darkness. And Adam answers, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. There are two prominent characteristics of the darkness. One is fear and number two is shame. Fear and shame always are associated with darkness, never with light. Lord said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And then the woman, the serpent, deceived me and I ate. And then comes this incredible promise, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The first promise of salvation is a promise that God is not going to allow the darkness to totally captivate the heart of the human race. Some of you today listening to this broadcast, are still walking in the darkness. You don't like it? You're sick of it? Why? Because God is beginning to put enmity between your heart, beginning to put hatred between your heart and your sin. He wants to redeem you. 
He wants to bring you out into the light, into God's glory. Now we find he clothes them in animal skins, and then in chapter 4 of the book of Genesis, we find Cain and Abel, the two sons of Adam and Eve. And Abel kept the flocks. Well, Cain was the gardener. Remember, they were to earn their bread by the sweat of their brow. Cain worked the soil. They, they brought their offering before God. Abel brought the portions from the land. Cain brought his own produce. When we come to God, we do not bring an offering out of darkness. We do not bring an offering out of our own creation. The only offering that God will find acceptable is that of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. The seeds of our salvation are found in the book of Genesis as the stories unfold and tell us about this marvelous journey that God is calling us to take out of the darkness and into the light of his glory. Into the light of his presence. Now the Lord speaks to Cain and says, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you do what is right, will you not come into the light? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Here, darkness is pictured as something virulent, something aggressive, something that comes after you. He says you must master it. They go out into the field, and Cain, in his rage, attacks his brother and kills him. The first murder in the human family. And the Lord speaks to Cain, and he says, Where is your brother Abel? Cain says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are your brother's keeper. He's in total defiance. He has walked into the darkness. Now notice what the Lord does. Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crop for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. So suddenly he is being barred from the only work he knows which is that of gardening, farming. And he says, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. Please, I want you to understand this. There is only salvation found in the presence of the Lord. He is the light. When you are in the darkness, in sin, you are being called out by the Holy Spirit as he hovers over the darkness of your life and as you respond to that call, not to religion, but to the Lord Jesus himself. As you are called out of the darkness, as you are called into the presence of the Lord, you begin to see that everything in your life flows from the presence of God as the Holy Spirit hovers over your life, and he brings forth a new creation. He brings forth something that did not exist before. And now Cain is saying, I'm not going to walk in your presence anymore, God. That was his choice. God did not tell him, I'm driving you from my presence. God wanted him to repent. 
but he would rather not repent. He would rather walk out and dwell in his own presence and trust in his own ability. So the scriptures say, So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod. Well, the word Nod in the Hebrew means land of wandering. East of Eden in the Hebrew literally means a place of new beginnings. So now we have a picture of Cain who has left the presence of God, who has, who has cut himself off by his own choices and decisions. He now walks in the darkness. He has left the light. He has walked into the darkness. And now everything that will be in his life will be what he creates for himself. Some of you today are are living that way. You're filled with ambition and your own dreams, your own goals. You're filled with lust for money and recognition and acceptance and You want everybody to love you, and so you live out of your own heart, out of the presence of God. You've not humbled your heart before him. You're very religious, perhaps. You might even be the preacher. But you have no presence of God about you. Very articulate. Very smart. Very well educated. But you have no presence of God about you. You're like a real estate person, or you're like a a doctor or a dentist. You've created your own reality. That's not to say that there are not Christian doctors and Christian dentists and Christian real estate people. There are, but they're operating out of the presence of God. They burned their ships. They're on their way to heaven. They're not going to walk in sin any longer. They're not going to sit and drink in the darkness of the professional sports on television. They're not going to sit and drink in the television. They're not going to sit at the movies. They're not going to go the way of darkness. They're not going to be in the pornography. They're not going to be, they're going to walk clean in Jesus. They're not going to walk in the bitterness and anger. They're not going to walk in depression and discouragement and hardness of heart. They're not going to dwell in the darkness, creating their own lives as, as only they can do it. Instead, they are, they are in a place where they have been hovered over by the Holy Spirit. They've been changed. They've been born from above. They've been washed from above. The Holy Spirit dwells with them now and brings forth in their life what God wants to bring forth. They dwell in the presence of God. Now, Cain, he lives in the land of Nod, which is the place of new beginnings. East of Eden, new beginnings, land of wandering. So Cain is going to spend the rest of his life constantly starting over, never finishing what he started. Going to always be wandering from this to that to this to that. He's always going to walk in his own presence, in the presence of the devil. And I want you to notice what he does. What What is his strategy now? He can't farm. He could spend his time seeking after the Lord God of heaven and become a mighty preacher of the gospel. He's not interested in serving God. Blown God out. He's now going to walk in his own power. Many of you today are wanderers. You're trying to make something of yourself and of your life. You're unhappy, or else you're very happy with the money you're making and the lifestyle you've created for yourself, but it's all flowed out of your own dreams and your own goals and your own objectives. 
You may call yourself a Christian, but it's with a pagan heart spray-painted with Jesus. Cotton candy Jesus. It's not the real Jesus. The real Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Be crucified with me. And then dwell in my presence. And my Holy Spirit will come and hover over you. And everything in your life is now going to be brought forth by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 17 of Genesis, the fourth chapter. Genesis 4, verse 17. Cain was then building a city. So what did Cain become? He became a merchant. became a merchant, started a city. Now, all through the rest of the scriptures, there are going to be two cities that will be spoken about. One is the city called Babylon, and one is the city called Jerusalem. And we're going to see these two contrasting themes. One is the city of confusion and darkness, of violence and mayhem, and the other is the city of peace, where the presence of God abides, where the presence of God dwells. Everything is dependent in your life upon the presence of God being with you. Everything is dependent on you leaving the presence of darkness and by the power of the blood of Jesus entering into the presence of Jesus. There is no neutral ground. Many people who dwell in darkness are very religious, and they are going to be utterly astonished when they find themselves by accident in hell. Hell will be populated by many people who call themselves Christians. Hell is a place for people who run their own lives, who have rejected the hovering presence of the Holy Spirit, who are determined that they will feast on the things of Sodom and Gomorrah. They will live their own lives and they will give Jesus lip service. They'll show up at church, but their real love is not the things of the Spirit. Their real love is not Jesus Christ. Their real love, themselves. Being able to do what they want to do when they want to do it. They've never given their money over to Jesus. They've never given their time over to Jesus. They've never given their plans over to Jesus. They've never given their children, their wife or their husband over to Jesus. They're still in charge of their lives. If you're in that place today, you need to make a decision about asking the Holy Spirit to come and hover afresh over your life. You need the touch of the Master come into his presence. You need to be brought forth as a new creation in Christ. Where now, everything about your life will be Jesus. Cain left the presence of God. He built his city. And then we have Lamech. He's not satisfied with one wife. He wants two wives. Bitterness and anger is in his heart. And he says to his two wives, Ada and Zillah, Listen to me, wives of Lemek. Hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. So he's now killed two people. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lemek seventy-seven times. Now we find utter violence and wickedness spreading throughout all of the earth because the presence of God is no longer with them. 
they have denied the presence of God, they have left the presence of God, and they now create their own culture. I'm going to deal with this in great detail later in this broadcast, some days from now. But this is exactly what we're seeing happen in America. The government has thrown prayer out of the public schools. We were founded as a Christian nation. We were founded by Christian men and women who paid a great price to raise up a Christian nation. It emerged out of the Third Great Awakening. The American Revolution took place against the wickedness of England. And America was founded as a Christian nation. We were not founded as a secular nation. We were not founded as a a Muslim nation or a Hindu nation. We were not founded as a nation where everyone was equal before God. Righteousness was lifted up. Every man could come and pursue life, liberty, and happiness. But the basic principles of our nation were not up for grabs. They were Christian. They were Judeo-Christian values. Respect for property. Respect for the individual. Capitalism. Free market. Capitalism. The right to own property the right not to have excessive taxation, a limited government. These were the basic principles of the Christian nation that that arose. Instead, particularly with the last president, but also with Jimmy Carter, and also with both Bush presidencies, we have seen a great increase in wickedness. we have seen the coming destruction of America because the presence of God has been driven out of this nation. I'm going to speak about this in depth from a historical perspective soon. But now violence reigns over the earth, and finally God, grieved of heart, tells Noah to build an ark. And the floodwaters cover the entire earth. And the breath of life in everything on earth perishes, except for Noah, his wife, two sons, his three sons, and their wives. That's it. After the flood, people begin to build once more families. And after a period of time, the earth begins to be populated again. And the whole earth had one language, and they had common speech. And they came to the plain of Shinar, and there they built Babylon, the great city of the whore. They made bricks, baked them, and they made a ziggurat, a tall tower. They said, come, let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. They chose to walk in deliberate disobedience to God, and they chose to not have the presence of God with them, but to dwell in darkness. And the Lord came down and confused their language and scattered them over the whole earth. Now follow me quickly in the last minutes of this broadcast. You have on one side the powers of darkness building a temple to idols filled with pride and arrogance. On the other side you have Abraham who is called out of the darkness and into the light. And you find in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis that Abraham is now dwelling in a tent with an altar. What a contrast. No uplifting of self, humbly walking before God at the word of God, 
dwelling in the presence of God. So now the world, after the flood, is divided between the city, Babylon, the towers building up our own egos, and the humble man of God called out of darkness into the light, who's going to humbly walk before God with an altar and a tent, a nomad, waiting on God to bring forth the deliverance from darkness. We're going to continue this study tomorrow. But I'm asking you today, do you need the power of the Holy Spirit to come and hover over your life because you're dwelling in darkness and sin? Are you dwelling in confusion and violence, wickedness? Do you need the peace of Jesus today in your heart? If you do, you must ask, you must plead before the throne of God for the Holy Spirit to come and hover over your wife and your husband, your children, your own life. Ask for the hovering presence of the Spirit of God to come over the darkness of your life and ask Him to bring forth a new creation. And He will do that for you. By grace. Mighty God of heaven, I pray for each person who's listening. I ask that you would quicken their hearts now. I ask that you would not let them turn back into that darkness, but, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, call every person out into the light. Hover over them, Holy Spirit. Hover over this city of Washington, D.C. Let your name be glorified today. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. I invite you to come and visit with the prayer chapel. Go to our, our webpage and you'll find there the address at the All Saints Anglican Church where we, where we meet every Sunday at 12 noon. The webpage is nationalprayerchapel.com. I also invite you to write to me and Step in with your tithes and offerings to help cover the cost of this broadcast. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. My brother, my sister, it's time to get right with Jesus. God bless you today. I love you. In Jesus, I love you. I'll talk to you soon. of his glory.